You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back, everyone. As we dive in too deep, as always, we're your hosts. My name is Reason. My co-host name is Neil Driscoll. You can follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Neil at Neil Driscoll. You can follow myself at the underscore real underscore reason. Um, we are back for episode 12 now, I believe we're at. So three months we've been doing this show now. Um, we've, we've gone through the ups and downs, a, a little bit of the turbulence on the tail end of the off season to now the ups and downs and the turbulence that has been the regular season so far. Neil, the Dolphins are coming off a monumental victory on primetime for the whole nation to watch. Everyone was talking about how badly they had outscored us over the previous three games. Well, this game, our defense showed up. I look at it this way. Everyone wants to argue about Tua's, um, you know, what he contributed here. You know, I'm lost at words, Neil, because people want to paint narratives that he's a one-read quarterback or he can't see the field. But then when he, he, he reads broken coverage and he makes the throw, everyone wants to say, oh, it's broken coverage. Yet if he didn't make that read and that throw, everyone would be killing him anyways. But um, it was good to see Tua get some action. Tua comes out there without the um, crosses painted on his face. I look at it this way. This is how I summarize the game. Defense won the game. Tua Tungvaloa in the offense sealed the game, Neil. Right, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I have to say this is probably the one most shocking and unexpected wins I, I've seen in, in maybe a decade as a Miami Dolphins fan, as crazy as that sounds. I didn't think we had a chance. I I, I predicted 42-13, to 13, but you know what? Uh, it says a lot about this, this organization, and, you know, the ball didn't bounce their way in the first half of the season, but we, we, none of us ever jumped on a, on a show or a pod and ever said that this team didn't have talent. And sometimes, you know, to quote the great macho man Randy Savage, the cream always rises, right, to the top. And I, I, I'll say, like, what a performance from start to finish. I, I really think the tone setter was on the first play when the Ravens had a pretty big gain and Javon Holland just lit someone up. You know, it was the Javon Holland show, and and I agree completely. I mean, the defense was borderline. I mean, no, they weren't borderline. They were elite. They shut down Lamar Jackson. He had his worst game as a pro. I mean, they they outcoached the Baltimore Ravens. They outphysicaled the Baltimore Ravens, which is something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. And, and, and you mentioned something interesting on the tour front, and, you know, I, I do think that he deserves a little bit more credit for this win, and, and I'll kind of jump into why, right? He comes off the bench cold, and Baltimore has proven all year long that the game is never over until it's over, right? They, they with no time on the clock, literally, Justin Tucker kicks a 66-yard field goal, and they beat Detroit. The 
Vikings, right? Like have a game, you know, ceiling. It looks like interception in overtime and the defense holds and Lamar Jackson leads down the field and they get the game winner. On Monday night, the world watched them against the Colts. The Colts were dominating for the first half. It looked like the Ravens were going to get destroyed then out of nowhere, right? Like here comes Lamar Jackson. He has his best half of passing. So that last touchdown that the Dolphins, you know, scored when Albert Wilson caught that 62-yarder and everyone's like, well, I could have made that throw. Well, you know what? Why aren't you playing on Thursday Night Football under the lights if you could have made that throw? Like Tua read it perfectly. He delivered. Albert Wilson, you know, made a big play. That touchdown sealed the game. Uh, He gets the save, the close there for sure. And, you know, like I think that, you know, the telling thing for me is he threw more against the Baltimore Ravens at a half than – our, our boy Justin Herbert threw in the whole game against them, right? So we have to be consistent on how we evaluate these players. Now, Tua's going to have an audition here for the rest of the year. And, you know, whether we think he really has a fair chance here or not, I, I mean, you know, we could talk about that till we're, till we're kind of blue in the face. Like, we'll save that for another day. I mean, you know, Tua did his job, and Jacoby Brissett was not. So Tua deserves the credit, but what a win. I want to ask you your opinion on this because, okay, so first of all, you know, the defense was disgusting. Javon Holland had a coming out party in prime time. Um, You know, we had 24 defensive back blitzes, the most any quarterback has faced since 2015. We had two-plus um defensive backs blitzing 12 times which is the most since 2010 we had three plus defensive backs blitzing five times which is the most in the last 15 seasons and we blitzed um defensive backs on 11 of 13 third down dropbacks um baltimore um you know they only gained 19 yards on that so you look at the defensive game plan you look at how everything worked out um you look at how Tua performed, and and I got to ask you this. It seemed, okay, follow me here. It seems like the defense was great, but when Tua came in, it's like they found another gear and the energy levels went up and they became phenomenal. Well, the energy stadium obviously went up. It was, oh, we know that, but like, (laughs) you know, like he, it seemed like even the defense who was already playing amazing found another level when he came out. Like well, it's just it's like it's like a re-energized, rejuvenated the team. Well, it looked like the same story we've seen all year, right? Defense was making plays, but the offense sputtered every time they got the and ball. Played complimentary football to them, right? right? Like, like people can either. I broke the, the the I broke down every dropback of him, plus some Brissett dropback defensive plays, whatever on Finside the NFL this week. And buddy, against that, you know, they show cover six. They they basically switched like a cover two look post snap. And that throw, that corner throw, that corner route that he threw to, to Waddle, Waddle, that is a six yarder. Yeah, that's one of Beautiful. the hardest throws you can make in the like uh, you can attempt in the NFL. Like, and the ball placement, like I saw people, oh well, it was behind Waddle. No, it was placed there because if you led him, two things are going to happen: either that 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 corner over top, that defender over top is either going to make a player on the ball or he's going to light Waddle up in the next week. So well, the way he played that back shoulder, turned him around, back to the defender, could cradle it and come down safely. That's in that against that coverage, that was a perfect throw. And those now, albeit, you know, 
he had some early misses. Now, if you go back and you watch the all 22 of that, do you remember that miss to Gaskin over the middle? Sure. Yeah. It looks like he missed him wide. If you actually watch the broadcast view from all 22, Gisecki did like a hesitation step. And then when you go and you watch the the goal, the I call it the God view, but the goalpost view, Tua was throwing to where he hesitated because he thought he was going to run like a spot route and stop there. So that actually wasn't a throw behind. Like, it was a throw behind him, but he was throwing thinking he was going to stop on the, the hesitation step threw Tua off because of the pressure coming. And so, like, Tua, like, he had some accuracy issues on the first two drives, you know, but... He's, once he started to settle in and he got the confidence of the game and he got to the game and he got acclimated to the game flow, he started pushing the ball against them, dude. And he saw the confidence building. And listen, you got to be confident to make that type of throw. And you saw what Charlie Fry said. Charlie Fry said this week, you know, Tua can make all the NFL throws. So this narrative, and, and, and this isn't just the finger. Neil, you know the narrative has been tried to be pushed privately and a little bit publicly that he can't make all the throws as well, um, even before the finger injury. That's a throw that proved, you know, that's one of the harder outside the number throws in the NFL. Tua made it, and Tua made it with passing with flying colors. So don't sell me that this kid can't make the throws, you know. Well, let me ask you something, Reese, because I, I think that we we've heard the – injury-prone label applied to Tua, and, and he's battled a lot of injuries. But one thing you don't hear enough about is his toughness. I mean, he is a warrior. Like, playing with a broken finger on your throwing hand. Well, think of it, Neil. tough. <laughs> it's a tough Neil, the, 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 the you know, here's the thing. Let's, let's just talk about the pro level. Let's not talk about Bama, okay? Just because the pro level is what matters. Just like – Bama highlights for Tua don't matter anymore. The evaluation at Bama don't matter anymore because now we're evaluation at the pro level. Well, let's sure. take injury prone at the pro level. When he missed the Jets game last year, funnily enough, he wanted to play through it. They shut him down. Fractured ribs. They shut him down. Okay. Now I know for a fact he was ready to go at the latest the week before he returned. Anyways, they shut him down. This finger injury, he wanted to play the Houston game. They shut him down. Technically, the only games he should have missed as a Dolphin were the fractured rib game because the Jets game he wanted to play, but they started Fitzpatrick last year, and we all remember that second half gave us all heart palpitations because all of a sudden we we, 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 we our offense turned off in the second half last year in that game. And then this year, it was Houston. If, if listen, Favre. Uh, no, again, I'm not saying to his Favre. Favre, Rogers, Brady, they've all played through injuries. You know, it, it, there's it's the old adage: Are you hurt or are you injured? Right? Well, there, there's two different things. And if my quarterback is telling me, "Yeah, I'm hurt, but I'm good to go," buddy, I, I'm sorry, like. How many people, including guys like Omar Kelly, like fans and Omar Kelly, were all saying a 70% two is better than 100% percent? Like, well, 100%. Well, let, let's illustrate some irony here, right? Like Brian Flores says he wants to sometimes pre protect Tua from himself, yet we give him the worst offensive line in the history of yeah. football, right? And, and he's constantly getting hit 
30 plus times a game, right? So it, the irony there is crazy. And like, you know, like I think sometimes you do need the team to lean in and protect you from yourself, but there are also some injuries that you got to let them play through. And, you know, you know, I'm I don't call it sabotage. Well, it's funny. You, you, said, know oh, it I was just you know gonna how say, it is. You know how it is. I don't play know through injuries. <laughs> when but you play through those type of injuries. That's how you build cachet in the locker room with the players. Well, especially yeah, especially when it, you win, and it's like you're taking away the chances for him to lead the team when they all know he's hurt behind the scenes. That's going to hold cachet with a lot of people. Yeah, and for me, Tua deserves some credit for this game, but he was really the third story for me with the defense being one. And I'll eat some crow. Like I still think that the Dolphins should trade Xavier Howard if they get a first round pick offered to him the offseason, but that guy's probably the best defensive uh, playmaker in football over the last two or three year period of time. You know, he deserves some credit. What a game-changing play. I mean, he's always making plays on the ball. He is an elite cornerback. Like, I, you know, I can see why Baltimore wanted a give a one for him because in that case, if they were able to acquire him, Marlon Humphrey's suddenly the second best corner on that team. Can we talk about an unsung hero, though? Yeah, let me go to one thing real quick, though, because there's a story in the middle that I want to say, and, like, I don't think this guy should be back as the GM, but I think the Miami Dolphins had the best draft in 2021, um, and I think we're starting to see that. Like, Javon Holland. Yeah, I know. Like, Let me ask you this. We got a lot of whiffs in 2019 and 2020. 2021, those first three at least might be uh, home runs, bro. It's the best draft in the 2021 draft, and that's accounting that – I'm probably a better left tackle than I can right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so like Javon Holland is a superstar in the making. If he's not already there ranked what like the eighth or ninth safest over safety overall by pro football, but I don't even care about that. When a rookie is impacting a game at that level against a super bowl contender. Cause that's, I, I still think the Baltimore Ravens are a super bowl contender. And I, and the crazy thing about me that I'm starting to think is that we might be able to stop them again. If we ever saw them again, because of our personnel, like Brandon Jones is an unsung Javon Holland was the best player okay. on the field. He was let's the best number eight. He was better than Lamar. He was the best player in the field. Let's, let's talk about the unsung hero, though. Who's the unsung? Phillips. Jaylen Phillips. Yeah, I mean, he. I, I don't. I want to talk about one play specific. Lamar Chase. When Lamar got out on that screen, right? Yeah, it's, it, that was elite. Okay. I, mean, I, I did a film review. Okay. Literally the week leading up to this, I released it with Jalen Phillips, okay, on my channel inside the NFL. Yep. I did a prospect preview on him in the offseason. He was the number two edge rusher on my big board this offseason, which included highlights as well, only to Aziz Ojalari, who's having a fantastic yeah, He's season. having a great year. Okay, so bingo, bingo, on uh, bingo, bingo over there on me. But anyways, Jalen Phillips. Okay, here, and the only reason, Jill, okay, here's the reason why I didn't have Jalen Phillips number one was because of his injury history. I didn't know at the time that I released my big board that Aziz Ojalari had the bad physical check that he had at the combine i because that wasn't released until like day one or day two of the draft i didn't even know that it happened right so anyways but that but if they both had the same injury history i said during my big board jalen would be number one but anyways you know one of the highlights i had in that big board in the prospect preview neil do you remember his infamous game against clemson where he chased Trevor Lawrence down. Of course. He was like 16, 18 yards behind him. And I'm like, this is the guy where 
when you have the Josh Allens, when you have the Lamar Jacksons, it's not just his athleticism, Neil. It's his football IQ and his understanding of pursuit angles. You saw it earlier in this year. Um, I'm trying to remember what game it was. Oh, I think it was it was the Jacksonville game where Lawrence got out of the pocket to the left and he made a bunch of guys miss. And Jalen Phillips, the angle he takes to cut Lawrence off was ridiculous. And he did the same thing because he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson. But if you understand angles, he knows where to put himself to make a play. And if you go back and watch that play, Lamar was looking to make a big play with his legs. And Jalen shut that down. It, this it caught kid, Lamar off guard, man. It caught Jalen Phillips. Mark my words. Waddle's going to be a top five receiver in the NFL at one point. Javon Holland is going to be a top five safety. Jalen Phillips is going to be a top five def- edge player, whether you want to call it outside linebacker or defensive end, because they'll use him in both positions in this scheme. He is going to be a top five player. Because another thing you've noticed is. The sacks have come, but there's been a lot of chances where he's barely missed out. And if you go look at our next-gen stats weekly, normally for the majority of it, he is, out of all of our defenders, consistently he has the closest distance to the quarterback throughout the majority of the game, which tells you he's getting, like, he is there. And when that comes together, this guy is going to be a 12 to 15 sack guy, bro. I, I believe you 100%. So and I you- think he's killed the durability. I think, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, knock on wood, because he didn't have the issues in, uh, at the U, okay? I am not worried about the durability issues at all with him that people were panicking about when we drafted him because that you didn't have to see those issues at the U. Forget about the pro level. Man, I worry about everyone's durability in the NFL. Yeah, it's football, bro. People are right, going to get yeah. hurt, you know? Right. Like, I worry about everyone's. Like, yeah. when we have training camp. You know what I mean, though? I don't think he's going to be, you know, you know, drooling and eating from a sippy cup because of concussions that everyone was worried about from UCLA, you know? Yeah, well, I, I write notes down while I watch these games so that, you know, I, yeah. I can kind of – you know, ignite my mind when we do this pod. And I have four notes that like stood out to me. One says Tua is a mother beeping warrior. I love this love dude. It. Love it. The other one said, do, do you, are we sure that we should have taken Najee Harris over Jalen Phillips? That was another one. Yep. The other one was like, I know for sure that we should not have taken Javante Williams as good as he could be over, over Javon Holland. Yeah. Javon Holland is a superstar now. And my, Fourth one was that when I rewatched this film and don't look at the football, the MVP and best player on the Miami Dolphins is probably Jalen Waddle. Those are my notes because I oh my we, god, Marlon Humphrey got absolutely de- there was a play he hit him on it, and, and two actually missed the read. It's when Tua did the consistent contested throw on that out route to Gasecki on the left side. He had Waddle on an out route where. He actually, Marlon Humphrey slipped because he sold it like he was going to go inside on the slant, then kicked it out um, outside towards the sideline. And Marlon Humphrey was literally, and then he had, if you go, um, he had a play in the end zone too, where he had Marlon Humphrey and he had Marlon Humphrey chasing him uh, outside in and, and Waddle got free in the back of the end zone. Like, 
Marlon Humphrey, did you see what Marlon Humphrey said at the end of the yeah, game? Yeah, he said that, he's going to be a top 10 receiver in football dude, next year. And you know dude, what? I respect Marlon Humphrey that. was – and that's why he drew the DPI. Like, he was chasing Waddle all night. That was something I highlighted in my film study, too, was Waddle was so fantastic. Like, and what's scared – what people need to realize, okay, this is what I kept telling people, right? And I may have been wrong on this, is I kept telling people, like, yo – Waddle is right there with Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy as a route runner. What he was doing to Marlon Humphrey was not speed. It was route running, body twitch. It was all the nuances of being an elite route runner had Marlon Humphrey turned inside out. And I'm going to go on the record and say this. That was a better route running performance than Jerry Judy has shown. And he was supposed to be the most polished guy. At the NFL level, out of Dude, Alabama, Waddle Waddle's a better prospect, man. I'm just telling you. So, like, you know, there's a difference between straight He's line. The best and one out of speed. all of them, bro. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Waddle's football speed is so special. It's Ridiculous. so rare. Yeah. I, you know, like I, I, I know this is. Gonna, That's what the problem with Rugs was. Rugs wasn't a nuanced route runner. He was a speed guy. He was more of a straight line guy. He wasn't as nuanced as Jalen Waddle is. Jalen was a mixture of. Judy, Devontae, Smith, and Ruggs all in one. Once this team figures out and gets an offensive play caller that understands football and they put him on slants, they put him across the field, they send him deep, they use him like Tyreek Hill is used in Kansas City. Dude, this guy is rubs. a bona star. He needs rubs. He needs picks. He's this a bona fide star run, if they do that. trips bunch. Yeah, I mean, so much trips bunch, and he never gets open out of it. That, and yet you watch the Chargers do it, and Keenan gets open. You watch the Raiders did it with Rugs; he got open. Like, you know, you look at that. Do you remember that? Um, that little uh, out, that little out in the flats. We hit Smythe. Uh, I believe it was Smythe. Yeah, yeah. Wide open. And he was just running game. for days. We need to be getting Waddle into that kind of space, bro. That like people, people. This is what frustrates me, Neil. People think because okay, he's four. We, we've got footage of him running basically a four two seven when he ran against Rugs in in in, in Alabama, right? Okay, the 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 master. Okay, the genius isn't to say draft the guy and let him organically create separation with that four two seven speed. What the genius is. You get that four two seven speed into open space, so he can take off, and people got to chase that down off the rip, and we're not doing that enough. Well, that's what the, that's what I think the most impressive. Need rub routes, need picks. Well, that's what I think the most impressive thing about Jalen Waddle is, is despite yeah, it's Tua, the, bro. He's thriving even despite incompetence around him, bro. Right, but he—I even think he's doing that at a way higher level than Tua. I mean, like I—I oh, I I think, I think people ridiculous. that are football junkies are watching Jalen Waddle. Like OJ McDuffie was correcting people on Twitter, like, "Are you guys like crazy? Like, yeah. this is the best receiver in the draft." And you know, Demar Chase has cooled off the last couple weeks. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where they all end up at the end of the year. But all three of them can be great receivers. Like that's okay. Yeah, I guys. agree. That, 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 it's just like it's just like Burrow, Herbert, and Tua can all be great. But you know what the indictment on coaching is? Is he is on target to be only the third receiver ever as a rookie to have a hundred plus receptions and finish under a thousand yards? The only other guys that do it are Keenan Allen, and funny enough, the way we're using him, Jarvis Landry. Well, like, I, I, like and, and what's frustrating, this is what's frustrating to me. 
And this is if I'm seeing it, if the guy who does YouTube and the guy who does podcasts with Richmond Webb and Neil Driscoll sees this, how are they not seeing it? You faced the Vegas Raiders. They gave you a blueprint on how they use rugs. You faced Tampa Bay. Waddle needs to be used exactly how Tampa Bay uses Antonio Brown. You've seen, and, and what's even worse is that blueprint beat the hell out of Xavier Howard and beat the hell out of your defense, and you still didn't take it and shift it over to how you use. And you know what's funny enough, Neil? Did you notice the usage of Albert Wilson when Tua came in? They kind of started using him hypothetically how they use he looked Waddle. Good. He they looked kind of started using him like they use Waddle. Motioning, you know, Try like getting him out of the short stuff, seeing what he can do. Like yeah. imagine if imagine if Waddle got that broken coverage in that open space. Oh, he gone. And, and and another thing, I wanted to ask you, sticking with this game for a sec. So you've gone back and you've watched the game um again, obviously, right? Um, Four times. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you this because have you watched the all twenty two yet? Uh yeah, I watched fifty percent of it on the all twenty two. Okay, did you see the screenplay? Which one? The the, the supposed flea, the one that should have been a flea flicker, but he threw it back to Gaskin. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, two questions for you. One, did you see how open Isaiah Ford and Wilson were down the field? Yes. And two, do you think that was designed like that, or do you think it was a flea flicker? Because I think it was a flea flicker, but the protection let him down. Yeah, so I, I, think I think that think, was the genius of Tua to throw it back. To I him. think it was the latter of the two because the pressure came quick and Tua got hot-potatoed it quick. I, I really do think that. I think they were that was a big shot play. Um, but you you just mentioned like the Wilson play. I think if Jalen Waddle gets that Wilson catch it's or the good. Isaiah Ford running. catch, both good. of those Waddle takes to the house. He he don't have to stutter and try to make someone miss. Yeah, but they, that's what was disappointing about Wilson. Ford... Like, if he put on the same moves Ford did, he probably would have taken it to the house. Like, he didn't really – I thought he was going to try and juke that guy at the end there, and he didn't really put in a very good move. You know what, though? I, I like kind of how it played out because it bled the clock a little bit more. Yeah, and, I agree. Like, Tua doesn't get enough credit for his nose for the end zone when he's when he's a runner down in the goal line. And I, I love when everyone's like, well, it's a one-yard run. Well, you know what? Jordan Howard couldn't do it, and Malcolm Brown couldn't do it. It's not that easy here with this crappy offensive line. Like Tua does a good job of finding the end zone, putting his head down, and getting the ball over the damn goal line, and and, and that's I I appreciate that from him because I'll tell you what I feel confident that we're going to score when he's at the helm when we're within the five when when he's not I don't feel so comfortable yeah, I, like yeah. I don't at all but yeah no I mean I mean that's a monumental win like you said I mean. You, you you talk about getting some fuel in, in, in your sales there, right? Right before we have a stretch of a winnable games. And, like, you know, like, I think we all can look at a game on paper and, like, oh, my God, the Dolphins have a real shot. I, you know, look. Yeah, but the, the other teams are looking at us like the real shot. Yeah, too, and, you know, we're too far in a hole to really think anything mathematically for me about yeah. the playoffs. But I do think we can go win five of the next seven games. Talk to me if we get to 500. Right, and we'll see what happens because you're gonna like a lot of teams might lose, and like it's just way too premature. But like, you know, let let's segue to what we have this week, right? We have a Joe Flacco led Jets team, and the last time Joe Flacco led the Jets against the uh, Ravens, like I legitimately felt sorry for Joe Flacco. We were kicking his ass so bad, and I I don't see any way that we don't 
build off of last game. And God, I'm talking about it because it's the Miami Dolphins. And watch, they'll win by a field goal, fourteen. That's his only. Remember, that's his only. He's six and one against the Dolphins too, though, right? right. And you remember the thing? Yeah, we beat them twenty to three last time. But if you remember. We shut down offensively in the second half. Right. No. So it's like for me, all the things we're talking about, like Tua is going to be the guy. We know that now for as long as if, if he's healthy for the rest of the year, he's going to be the starter. Yeah. And we know the Jets secondary. 31st in the NFL right now. Right. It is a complete dumpster fire. Uh, Jalen Waddle has a chance, like you were talking about, not finishing with a thousand. Well, we have the Jets twice coming up. I mean, we have a very nice schedule for him to eat a lot. He would need two hundred plus yard games though, because he's only at five hundred fifty-seven yards right now. Yeah, and you know what? Like this is where you could get it, and Tua should be aggressive because he's got a lot to prove. But what a great matchup for this team! I mean. The stationary quarterback that's on the downside of his career that we we roughed up the last time we saw him with our you know our borderline ferocious pass rush at times right and if we do the safety blitzes with Jones and Holland Joe Flacco might not make it out of this game right like that I mean that's yeah, legitimate our luck is but we can't my, my it's Dwight a division comes game in aggressive against us and with revenge in his mind because of how he performed last time. Yeah, but you know the Jets. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you have Quinnen Williams. I, I don't even know if CJ Mosley's playing. The guy's hurt so often. Let off. me ask you this: Is this another game where? Because I mean, you look at Baltimore. This offensive line, you know, gave up twenty-four pressures, seven by Eichenberg, six by Hunt, um, three by Davis. You know, Eichenberg, Davis, and Jackson are now one, two, and three. No longer tied. They are just one, two, and three in pressures allowed in the NFL right now. Is this a game where you think they'll be able to hold their blocks? Um, I think they'll give up a lot of pressure, and I don't think that will change in any game that we've seen this season. Um, I think they'll do a better job. Like, you know, I I'll say this. Like, it's crazy, but also Jackson was actually okay against Baltimore. Well, <laughs> finally, okay is like two pressures. Well, considering us. the competition. <laughs> and, yeah, well, like, you know, I was, I was kind of like, wow, like this is his best. I mean, like if we're being honest, it was his best game of the year, right? So – like, you know, I, I think they'll struggle, but like this is the game for me where the Dolphins are gonna win by by a nice cushion. Like I hey, I, I think they have a chance. Prediction. Yeah, I have a think I think they have a nice chance to beat up the Jets here. Um I really like our defense on uh, how it matches up against the Jets offense. I mean, you know, Elijah Moore is a receiver that you know I think all of us like coming out of Corey Mississippi, Davis. you know, and Corey Davis. But you know, I, I just like I'm really starting to have a lot of faith in that Howard Jones combo. And, you know, with Jones Javon, is playing fantastic uh, football. He, he really is. And, and with Javon Holland blossoming before our eyes. And look, Brandon Jones has been an upgrade to Eric Rowe. I mean, the Dolphins Nothing coverage wise, though, I will say. Yeah. And, and Eric Rowe, you know, he still carves out a nice little niche for himself. Like, that's very valuable. And, like, we've been critical on him all year, but, you know, Jerome Baker was all right against the Ravens. You know, he yeah. was important in stopping Lamar and he did an all right job. And, I mean, the defensive line continues. I mean, Christian Wilkins, Zach Seiler, Emmanuel Adam Ock, Butler's contributing now. Adam Butler's starting to play a lot better, right? So, like, I think this defense is starting to hit a stride. I, I do think, you know, we would talk about conspiracy theories. I think about three uh, weeks ago, Brian Flores said, you know, Josh, like, yeah. I I'm sorry, buddy, but you're going to sit aside and, like, this is going to be my team. And, you know, I I'll say this about this, this whole entire season because I think it needs to be said. We came in with expectations and we failed. But sometimes you got to take a step backwards before you take a couple forward. And I think that there was a lot of self-realization that went on this year. And I think that some people 
that were our coaches and in the front office were humbled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, I still think that Chris G- Greer needs to lose his job because of this offensive line, and I'm not going to waver on that, and that's not going to change for me. But then Flores needs to lose his job because he's had a hand in it. Yeah, but I'll say this. If if Brian Flores wins five of the next seven games, he's coming back, and he might deserve that. Now, finding an offensive coordinator that can create you – know the problem with this is? I'm going to tell you this right now. I got, I got to stop right there. People need to realize this because I've had this discussion with multiple people, and I'm going to have it with you right now. If you hire a new GM, first of all, you cannot give them the mandate that – you need to keep Flores or Tua. Correct. Right? Correct. Okay, that's gonna and I'm gonna tell you this right now. Both are gonna be dead man walking. Flores will probably be out the door right away because this guy won his own guy. And on top of that, Tua, the only way I could see him maybe getting one year under the new regime is because of how weak this draft class is. And I believe a new GM will not trade the assets for Watson because they'll want to use those to put their own thumbprint on the team. So but you, you've been a Dolphins fan long enough to know that Stephen Ross d- doesn't care and he'll make a GM hire telling him this is the marching orders, take it or leave it. And then we'll get, and I'm not saying it's the right move, but like, that's what they do way too often. So like, I don't think he'll do that. I think what his game plan is get Greer to make the trade and then fire Greer. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this. I think nothing has changed for me on Chris Greer. I still think Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback come week one next season for the Miami Dolphins. So I, I think those things, but I think Flores here, I like, again, this isn't me making a decision. I'm thinking here, I'm, I'll, I'll mock being Steven Ross. Well, we didn't have our starting quarterback for four games. We lost two manageable games against Atlanta and Jacksonville. You know, fl- like they came out and beat Baltimore and actually handled Baltimore quite easily in front of a national audience they win five games in a row to end the season you know i i'm just saying like be prepared for brian yeah, the Flores problem is the gm though that's what i'm saying yeah but you know what i think it's going to be marvin allen or reggie mckenzie because that's oh. the kind of move the dolphins make i oh. i don't think they're going to go out and get a football czar. okay then so we got to just wait another year or two for the inevitable right and and we're just going to waste time well like so like and then I and I think that like if you ask me today, the way I think the Dolphins because here's my thing, brother Marvin Allen. That's who I think gets it. He should well if Greer's getting fired, why isn't he? He's the assistant general manager. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think he's had a lot of say. I think Chris Greer's on the show. And I like I don't I'm with you. I think you need to clean the whole thing out. Like the whole, the whole scouting league. department, everything needs to be cleaned out, bro. But I, I think Marvin Allen would get the boost and I think they would roll with Flores one more year. And if Flores was the guy that got fired, I think the next head coach would be Eric Bienemy. That's just me thinking out loud. I wouldn't mind Bienemy with Kafka as his OC. Well, and, and, no, and it's because I think that Bienemy has ties to Sean Watson. So I'm just like, saying I wouldn't mind Bienemy in general, whether it's Watson or. Oh, Tony I, I, I like Eric Bienemy a lot. I, I'm actually surprised he's not a coach here. I think I'd make the move even if I. Even like, still in the off season. Yeah, I see. I just think I think that Flores is going to regain the favor of the owner here. I mean, I think because I, I just think look if you like. If we look at the schedule the rest of the way, and I hate doing this, right? Like, because it never works out how you think it, right? But I, I'll make a prediction. Let me let me add a score in my head real quick. 
I'm going to say we're going to kick two field goals, score four touchdowns. I have us winning 34 to 13 this week. Right? Yeah, like I'm picking a big ass win for the doll. I, 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 and I and I know that I'm going a, bigger though. You are? All right. What do you got? 31 31 to 3. You think we just completely shut Joe Flacco out? I mean, I could see it. Yep, and I think if they bring in Mike White or they bring in whoever, I think it's going to be a nightmare for them. Yeah, I, I, I actually think that I know. See, here's hurt. my problem, Neil. This is the defense we're seeing now. Why I said we're going to make Trevor Lawrence's. Remember, you you do predictions here. I did them on Finside of the NFL. This is the defense we're seeing now. Is why I was so confident of. We're going to make Mac Jones' life a living hell. We're going to make Trevor Lawrence. This defense, if Lamar Jackson cannot handle this defense, if it gave Patrick Mahomes the problems it did last year, why was this not being run in situation? Because with Jacoby or Tua, I think we would have walked into this game with a winning record at the helm. I think you could have won the... Three of the Atlanta, Jacksonville, Colts, and Raiders games. I think you're going to win three of those if you're running this defense. Well, that's why I, I think those, like, when I've been critical. And that's what the current personnel is. You don't need Watson. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's why when I've been critical of Tua, one of the things I've emphasized is that those losses hurt. Big time. And but like they weren't on him. I, I'm not putting them all on him. Like, again, I, I think the Falcons. Because like, if we played this defense – Neil, agreed. We, we wouldn't have had those game-winning field goals against us, dude. Oh, I, I, I agree, and, and it's been mismanaged, and like that's. And this you is know. my problem with why Flores, Flores, like because after the Atlanta game on Finside the NFL, I was calling after the post game. I was like, if Boyer is calling the plays, Flores needs to take it out of his hands because why are we calling zone in these situations on third and ten and giving the middle of the field to a guy like Kyle Pitts, like. This is not good situational play calling defensively. If it's Boyer, Flores needs to take it out because he's a defensive genius and this is his baby, and it costs us that game. As much as people want to put it on Tua, last I checked, Tua left the field with a lead. Anyways. True. Let, let's um, do this exercise. I want to do this exercise with you, and I want a win or a loss. Yeah. And I want to just run through the remainder of their schedule. Yeah. So this week at – And I have Jets. a question to you. Uh, when you're going to ask me about one of these games. So go okay. ahead. Okay. This ahead. weekend at the Jets. When? Okay. The following week in Miami against the Panthers with probably Cam Newton at the helm. When? He doesn't scare me. We figured him out. Right. The following week. McCaffrey scares Rock, me more. At Hard Rock again against the Giants. When? The next week at Hard Rock again against the Jets. What two weeks in a row? No, it was the Giants last week. The Jets. Oh this yeah, week. the Jets. Yeah, win against both those. So that so that means that we've won in that stretch seven of time seven. six games in a row, right? Yeah. So then Monday Night Football. This is the game World. that worries me because that defense is fucking good. Oh, pardon my language. No, um, Monday Night against the Saints. Monday Night Football. But hey, let yeah. me let me. Can just I, 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 I want to. Okay, go ahead. Say yours because this is the game I want to ask you a question about. Go ahead. The Dolphins have proved to me that they'll be ready on prime time. I agree. Okay. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking, um, but neither of those quarterbacks the Saints have scare me. Uh, it, the Saints defense is good. I think that 
for me personally, the better quarterback wins, and I would have Tua better than Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. I agree with that. Can I ask you my question now? Yep, go ahead. Okay, this is a two-parted question. One, can we both agree? Because I don't know if you saw the Sports Center clips and everything, but some of the media was trying to sell the Baltimore win as to his moment. I think it was more of a defensive moment. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Tua's okay. had his moment okay. in Miami yet. Is is that Monday night game his potential moment? Well, he might be auditioning for his for, uh, future employer in that game, right? Like no, I know, but I'm just saying, is that prime time Monday, especially if you're seven and seven? Because here's the thing: if Tua drags us out, if if we win those next four games and Tua is a con- major contributor. He's earning cachet. I don't care what anyone says in Stephen Ross's office. This is where the problem here in lies. Okay. And then if he goes and he wins on prime time and is a good contributor against the New Orleans Saints, now you got a real question on. Now you got a real deal. Because here's the thing. After that, we play the Panthers, correct? Nope. Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. When do we play? The, oh, yeah. We play them in two weeks, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans. But we got. Here's the th- here's the reason why I actually like that game. Well, I don't like it specifically for Vrabel's defense against Tua. I think he's going to cook some stuff up. No, Derrick Henry. That's what, and Adrian Peterson. That's going to because when's our bye week in this all? We have a bye. Hmm. Right before the second Jets game. Yep. Okay, so. Jets game, New Orleans game, then the Titans game, right? Correct. So we're three weeks off the bye. We're somewhat fresh. These guys are like Adrian Peterson. This is what Adrian Peterson's body is going to start feeling the effects of the season by the time we face him. We match up great against Tennessee. Now, I think, yeah, I I, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be motivated, but. Oh, yeah, but here's the thing, bro. If we win that game. The last one that scares me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You know what? It scares me about it. That might be for a playoff seed for both teams. Well, if we win out, it will be <laughs> right. Because let me ask you this: I think McDaniel's and Belichick have, have proven Mac Jones is the walking, living, breathing. He is the epitome of situation where he gets drafted matters. They have protected him so much. You saw against us, they gave him a ton of underneath stuff, multiple checkdowns on each play just to keep him safe. You know, they've built his confidence up in this offense. They're slowly opening it up more and more. Um, do you think he could handle this defense? Because I don't. I, they, they, like, And that's why I wanted to run this defense in week one. I wanted to shake his foundation for when – he would see us at the end of the year because I thought we'd have a better season than we have. But I also at the same time thought New England would be fairly good this year. The way you just went through it is the way kind of I did, you know, when I first looked at it, like I can make a case for us win every game. I think we're going to lose two of the three games between the Saints, Titans and Patriots. That's those are that's the last three is what worries me because I, I feel like we there, the Dolphins way is to go to seven and seven get right back and you know we see this make your heart <laughs> you know we see the uh we see the graphics on the CBS and Fox showing we're right outside the 7th seed and then they lose out or or they lose two of the last three games and totally fall foul on their face now 
if that happens, Tua Tua hit the next level. If no, they my thing have, is if they fall flat on their face. Oh yeah, screw I mean, Tua. It, it, screw Tua. It, Flores is gonna have to answer that. If 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 Tua and Flores can bring themselves back to seven and seven, I think Tua and Flores would have to answer both of them. If we only finish eight and nine, so we lose two out of our last. If we lose three or two of our last three, and totally blow it when we were coming back in and they got us there, I think they're gonna have to. They're both gonna have to answer because Flores is gonna have to answer questions for not only the final three games but games where Tua wasn't in, and Tua is gonna have to answer for the final three games and the games he missed. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm just saying if they if they make a serious playoff run, because you look at the schedule and it's like it's really this favorable. This just has the makings of getting our hopes up and breaking our hearts. Breaking like, our easy. hearts and us looking back earlier in the season and saying if we would have won this game or that game, we would be in the playoffs right now. And dude, that's why I circle and star that Jacksonville loss because that is such a key loss in the season. But you know, the good news is like I will say this. As bad as it's been for Tua in Miami, the stage is set for him to deliver that superstar status. Now, he can't do it alone, so you're going to need the defense, you know, to really Yeah, but let me ask you this, Neil, what if you win out but you still miss the playoffs? God, that would be so dolphins. Um, I don't th- I don't see how I I think 10 wins Well, 10 and 6 here. didn't get us in last year. Yeah, I know, but I I think some of these teams like we also didn't expect Cleveland to fall on their face. I mean, the Steelers have a decent record, but I think Chargers they're in the- are starting to fall on their face. Cincinnati's falling on. Their I mean, face. if you ask me, like, let's look at the AFC. Right, the Bills are in. Right, yeah. if, if you go to the West, I think the Chiefs are going to get hot and get in, and yeah. I think they're going to go. They're going the right direction. I think Baltimore is definitely. I think Baltimore is going to win their division still and get in, and then I think Tennessee. So there's four teams. So three other teams make it. Right, Patriots. They have a shot, good shot, probably. Jets, no shot at all. Chargers, eh, I don't know, man. Like that loss to Minnesota is going to hurt them. Like they got to start winning those games. Hurt me when I started Herbert in fantasy. Yeah, the Raiders are heading in the wrong direction. I mean, Denver. I mean, God. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater and that team. Like they're Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, right? Yeah. I, I don't see them getting in. The Colts, like they just can't seem to get out of their own way. No chance in hell for Jacksonville or Houston. Um, I, I, I mean, the Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, and Browns feel like they're going to beat the hell out of each other for the rest of the season. Yeah. Right. So, like, I don't there, don't there, don't all their though their uh, interdivisional games start now? Basically, well, the Ravens play the Bears this week, and then the week after that, they play the Steelers. Then they have a game against the Browns. They have the Bengals again. They have the Browns yeah. and Steelers an additional time. So they're they're going to even themselves out. So those teams are going to beat each other. Like yeah. so, like you know, and like it's crazy. Like I'll, I'll tell you the wave of emotions because we were talking about the Dolphins being one of the worst teams in football a couple weeks back. Now we're talking playoffs. Like who knows? It's going to probably end somewhere in between all that, and you know we'll probably be left heartbroken. But like you know, I, we'll we'll spend the whole offseason building ourselves off the positive. Again, like the foundation in terms of talent is still here, man. And it's it's evident when you put that kind of film up against the Baltimore Ravens and your young players are ascending and leading your team. Like that's the thing, leading your team. The best players on the field, Mike Gusecki had no catches. It wasn't Mike Gusecki. It was Jalen Waddle. It was Jalen Phillips. 
It was Christian Wilkins. It was Javon Holland. Like those were the guys that stood out. And and then one guy that I got to give so much kudos to, and I think this is the Dolphins MVP this year is Emmanuel Agba. Like Emmanuel Agba has been magnificent this year. Yep, pay that man. He, I mean, like, and the, and the reason I don't think everyone always asks, like, why do you think they haven't paid Gasecki or Agba yet? Because they're still thinking that they're going to go acquire a $35 million a year quarterback. That's why I think. I think they're going to try to figure out one of those two guys will get a franchise tag is what I think. And they'll try to come to terms with somebody else. Like, we've looked at the numbers. Like, there's a lot of money they can get out off the books, the Dolphins. So, like, it, it's going to be interesting. But, like, I don't think they're going to sign anyone to the offseason. And I think we need to see Mike Gusecki as good as he's been this year. He has to finish the season strong. Like I, I like, I don't give him a pass for catching zero balls against Baltimore because I'm singing his praises as a top five tight end in football. Like top fin, top five tight ends in football don't get shut out. And you know, like the one catch early in the game would have been really tough, but he's been making that catch, and that's where it's like you know, I, like he's a good football player. I, I I hope we keep him and Agba. I think they might have to choose depending on what happens. So. It's going to all play out to be interesting, but man, like for this week coming up, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited because there's no question to us starting. They've already announced it. He was on his presser today looking like the two of old, happy, jovial, making jokes about his celebration dance, but focused, laser focused. You don't, you, you know damn right well that when Tua Tungvalu puts his head on the pillow at night, he knows what's in front of him. And he might know what he's against, but that guy isn't going to quit. Again, one of my notes was Tua is an MFN warrior. That was my quote. Like, Tua doesn't stop. He ain't going to quit. And, like, it's so funny how the narrative can change so fast because if they go on this win streak and he's he healthy and back. And he yeah. contributes. Yeah, I mean, like, but here's the thing, though. Like, the reason I don't think he's just going to contribute because I, I think he has been more of a game manager. But now it's like time for him to break out of that shell and morph into the two we all know he can be. And the, the thing that's going to be really hard for me to swallow as a Dolphins fan is if he delivers for the rest of this season, right? He beats the bad teams. I hate when people say, oh, well, he put that up against a bad team. This is the NFL, right? We saw Jacksonville. The worst team in the NFL could beat the best team in college. Right. And any so, so like, good, beat the teams you're supposed to. I want a quarterback that beats the teams they should beat, right? Then if he can go out there on Monday Night Football, that, that game is going to be a ton of fun, man. I, I can't wait for that Saints game. And then if you – like, can you imagine the scenario that if it was Tua versus Mac Jones for the playoffs at the last week of the season? Like, that would be like freaking you, you talking Andre about, Hogan at WrestleMania 3 storyline. You talking about Tua who's – you know, unlike Herbert, who's 0-2, who's 2-0 against Bill Belichick. Right, exactly. Oh, okay. And, and the, it's funny. Just making I, sure, Neil. But, like, we got to agree, though, because the offensive line's going to be bad. We know that. Yeah. The coaching's going to be bad. Jude we know that. Right? Havoc. We know those two variables aren't going to change this season. We can, as evaluators, understand that that's going to hamper to his production. With that said... If he's going to be the superstar, if he's going to be the franchise quarterback, he's got to overcome some of it. And it's not yeah. fair, and that's life, and it sucks. But it all I can't wait week, to see how the story unwinds. I'm excited. It like, all starts with this win, week, though. That win against Baltimore made this season worthwhile. 
It got everyone back engaged. How fun was that on Friday? I, I mean, I think I was skipping out of my house to go to work. Like, <laughs> you know, heel clicking while I got in the car. I was on a high for three or four days from it. You know, my wife came in on Saturday and saw me watching the game for the third time. And she's like, wait, like you're watching this again. I'm like, I'm, I said, I'm telling you, babe. I might watch this more than I've watched Shawshank Redemption and Scarface when all is said and done. Like this, like this is my favorite movie I've seen in a long time. And when your team plays well, it's really fun. But I'm I mean, again to beat a dead horse here. What makes it so fun is that it's the young nucleus of this team that tells you that if they can get the right coaches in this in the building, there is a bright future here. And for six, seven weeks, we started all lose faith in that. Me included. Like, I'm not, I'm eating a lot of freaking crow right now. And it's okay because I'd rather be wrong when it comes to this. But like, there is a lot to be excited about. Maybe not playoffs this year, but look, are we all going to be Dolphins fans in five years still? Because I will be, right? So there's a lot of, lot of meat on the bone here with this organization. And like, if they don't trade for that quarterback and Tua does win this job, they have a $100 million cap after they make some easy cuts and an arsenal of draft picks to legitimately build and fill every hole possible around this guy and give him the the team. Like, it's just think if you don't make this that trade, right, and you do two moves. I'm going to give you two moves. Taron Armstead, Tyler Lindenbaum. That will significantly take your offensive line to at least the middle of the pack. Just those two moves. And I'm talking about still having $80 million in cap space and tons of draft picks, right? Like, so like it's getting the guy to make the picks is going to be the most important acquisition of this offseason. Though the, the news and all the talking heads will be talking about Watson versus Tua. Getting the right football decision maker is is so paramount in what where this franchise goes because a great hire instantly could lead to this Dolphins team being everything that we thought they were going to be this year. End rant. <laughs> yeah, man. It's... uh. It's I I don't know. It is, this this season has been such an emotional roller coaster for me. Aren't they all? And, 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 yeah, but usually <laughs> three and seven isn't this bad. And it's crazy. You know, we we love how it feels rejuvenated after such a big win. But God forbid a loss to the Jets could wipe that slate real quickly. Yeah, yeah. So you better take care of business. Darren. Oh my you better, God! You better take care of business. You know, you have the Jets starting their third quarterback that they've started this year. Wait, or or did Josh Johnson start for a while? He yeah, did. Josh Johnson did. So this yeah. is the fourth, fourth quarterback yeah. they've started this year. Yeah. I mean, you have no excuses yeah. but to go into New York and and beat this Get team down. down. I agree. Right? All right, man. So um, hopefully uh, we're back next week and we're talking about a big dub, a MetLife takeover. Dolphin fans, you know, the energy is going to be good for Dolphins because there's a lot of Dolphin fans going. I hope everyone um, has a safe, safe time over there. Um, Neil, appreciate doing this as always. We'll be back next week, guys, where we'll dive back in, fin too deep with myself and Neil Driscoll. Until then, fins up, everyone.